Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather, and in this episode, I am joined by author Mara Branscombe to discuss her book, Ritual as Remedy. Among other topics, Mara discusses the nature of ritual, moving beyond the mundane into the sacred, reconnecting with both the self and the earth, and the importance of mindset and healing. Also, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, or subscribe to the YouTube channel that is where you view this. Also, hit that like button and notification bell. Your support is truly appreciated. Mara Branscombe is a mother, writer, yogi, artist, teacher, mindfulness leader, ceremonialist, and spiritual coach. She is the author of Ritual as Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care. Mara is passionate about weaving the art of mindfulness, self-care, creativity, mind-body practices, and earth-based rituals into her life and work, and she has been a leading community ceremony since 2000. An adventurous spirit, Mara has sailed across the Atlantic Ocean, trekked across the Himalayas, studied yoga in India, planted trees in Canada's north, lived off the grid in a remote cabin in the woods, worked as a Waldorf teacher, and then found her passion for dance and choreography. All the while, yoga, meditation, mysticism, and ritual have been at the heart of Mara's journey. Her trainings in the Incan shaman lineage and the pagan tradition have greatly inspired her life's work of earth-based, ceremonial, intentional, and heart-centered living and loving. Mara, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, thank you for uh, joining me today. I'm uh, uh, very, um, very much looking forward to speaking with you. Uh, and congratulations on your book, uh, Ritual is Remedy. Uh, is this your first book? That's right. This is my first book. Okay, wonderful. Thank well, you. I found it a very enjoyable read um, and quite inspirational. Um, I mm-hmm. think that your passion blazes through your writing. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. So the first question I wanted to ask is in regards to the title of the book, uh, we'll get into ritual a little bit, but the first question I wanted to ask is remedy for what? Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes to mind, even as you're asking me that, because actually no one has asked me that question before, it's remedy for being a human in this wildly complex world. Mm a remedy for having a chance to live your best life, a remedy to heal wounds or traumas that um, no longer serve us, remedy to um, connect to our people and to love them fully and to imbibe the passion or that blaze you talked about that blazing passion for life you know um as mary oliver says what are you going to do with this one precious life yeah yeah and you know it's interesting um because you talk in the book about living your life as a sacred ritual Mm -hmm. and so this is where i want to ask you about the other part is how are you understanding ritual 
Um, because I come at it from a perspective from, you know, I've got a background in religious studies, so we get really technical about these things. Um, so I wanted to ask what you mean by ritual. That's a great question, Nick. Thank you for asking that. What I mean by ritual is to come at it however you can and to weave it into your daily life so that it becomes accessible. So there's, you know, there's ritual is at the heart of humanity and from organized religious ritual rituals to um, ritualizing your morning coffee what i'm interested in is bridging um, the area of ritual so that one can embody a daily um, synergy of meaningfulness of mindfulness on their own, in fact. So really the, the impulse behind writing this book came to support the collective. That was the message I got, support the collective, um, so that they can self-guide and find these rituals so that they're not too complex. They're not out there. They become embodied within. And so that will be individual and unique for each person, depending on their background and depending on you know, their area of interest and study and their community. And for example, if we can awaken and call forward three gratitudes, that becomes a ritual that everyone can access and that will radically shift how we live. So that's where I'm coming at. I'm coming at it from, um, you know, create your own life ritual. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that there is this spontaneity, I think, in what you're suggest uh, suggesting for people. And you give some guidance, you know, you have suggestions of, you know, this ritual, that ritual. Mm -hmm. um, but the overall message to me was to the reader is, you know, this is just a suggestion. Work with this however it seems to suit you the best. Um, one of, uh, another question I have for you, um, and I'm not sure if I can articulate this as well as I would like, but it's something that came to me years ago of, I need to ground all of my action in spirituality, but I don't know if I can articulate why. And so I wanted to ask you, because you seem to be suggesting the same thing, that we have this necessity of grounding our entire lives in spirituality. But why? Why not? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and why, again, a great question and great um, energy to work with and unpack and a daily inquiry, in fact. Yeah why and and for me i mean we're all come into this world with our own unique voice our own unique passions our own healing to do and when we can get to the heart of the matters you know and we can get beyond um, limitations be it physical emotional um then you know at the baseline um can we come back to and can we enter into this state or this realm of what matters most? And that to me goes beyond the physical realms, the emotional realms, the intellectual realms, the realm, the, the, the mundane. And, and so that allows us to step into 
perhaps the more sacred or the more spiritual. And so the why behind it, that is, it's a, it's a big question to unpack. To me, it's always brought me um, to a state of synergy or union where it feels good inside. It just, mm. it feels comfortable. It feels good. It feels like there is um, also the realm of possibility that lives there, um, the realm of mystery, the realm of unknown. And being comfortable with that gives one space to no longer have to fixate on what doesn't work in one's mm. life, but rather to open the door to what is working into the realm of gratitude, to see yourself for who you are, not for who you are not. Mm. That's a little bit behind my, right, right, my right. why there. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate <laughs> that. I know it's a very difficult question. And mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I'm not sure that I can articulate an answer myself, mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, I, I, I like what you said. Um, I, I also appreciate the fact that your work is grounded in earth spirituality, which I think is so important right now. And I also think it's important for anyone listening to this to understand, you know, I mentioned in your biography that you've got training in uh, the shamanic lineage and the pagan traditions, mm -hmm. but this work is available, I think, to anyone, you know, you don't have to be a practicing Wiccan or <laughs> anything like that. And this is also something that I've intuited um, and had tried even, gosh, 30 some years ago <laughs> to align myself with cycles of like the moon. Yes. And why is that important? How does that help us in our healing? It gives us anchors. So every 29 and a half days, the moon goes from new to full to new moon. That's a very powerful energy right there to celebrate the new moon, which is our, our energy of drawing in. It's be the beginnings of a cycle. It's our internal self, more of our, 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 we celebrate also the darkness within the full moon halfway through the cycle is that more external self, the expansion, the, the putting out into the world who we are, what we want to share. Then we have the four seasons. We, we, all of us don't live in the actual four seasons right. um, because some of us live in, in, the, south, in the south. But um, those of us that you know, are experiencing the seasons or you know, even if you're not, you still you follow the rhythms of nature. And what it does is it, it's, it allows you to step into present moment awareness. It allows you to, again, I'm gonna use that word, moving beyond the mundane of everyday life into the sacred. The sacred to me exists in the five elements, earth, air, fire, water, ether. They hold a deep amount of mystery and unknown. They hold a deep amount of um, powerful energy that as humans, we can align with and tap into that will rejuvenate our system. It will clear our mind. It will help us soften our emotions it will enliven our spirits. It will give us hope and inspiration and faith to um, keep going in our life. And so it becomes this constant source and the return to what is real in the moment. What is true in the moment? 
what is true is I can look outside and I can see the birds and I can see the trees moving and I can um, feel the temperature and I can observe, um, you know, the, the flowers blooming. So these points, they keep us um, connected to um, not only the realm of possibility and um, beauty, yeah, it, it helps us connect to beauty, which is a higher vibration, which is love. And this goes beyond, um, you know, the complexities. And we have them both, and we're humaning, right? So I always say that. So we have, you know, we work with the shadow, we work with the light, we dance through them. But what is true is that the elements are real and deeply nourishing. Yeah, yeah, I like that as well. And I guess that if I were to attempt to articulate uh, something from what we've been talking about is I always like to ground everything, my spirituality in, you know, an earth spirituality as well, because I th see that as the great work right now is mm -hmm. to put ourselves back in alignment with the natural world. And I see that as being, you know, I'll use the, I've used the term spiritual, um, but also religious, you know, mm -hmm. based on the idea that it is that religion literally means to reconnect or to rebind. And that's what we've been disconnected from is we've been disconnected from the natural world. Mm -hmm. So I like that you are providing a way to reconnect, but I'd also suggest that we've disconnected from ourselves in a very real way. And it seems to me that what you're doing and what you have in the book is this attempt to reconnect with who you are as an individual. Thank you. That is exactly what I would wish for. <laughs> and that, and, and I want to just go back to what you were saying earlier in that, you know, you were explaining how you found that what I'm suggesting is that you can just go out and do these on your own, these right. rituals. And, and yes, and that is exactly why um, I want to, I want to give people the freedom to, um, to access their own healing. Mm. You know, it's like when it's, it's the difference between, you know, going to yoga class, which is wonderful, following the yoga teacher, following every move. And then what happens when you start practicing at home on your own and you actually get on your mat by yourself and you start guiding yourself or in meditation, when you go from audio, you know, when you go from your listening to your apps, your meditation apps to, to trying it on your own, that is a bridge into a deeper healing within, I believe this is also going to feed our divine will. I mean, we have so much choice in this world and it can be confusing and who, what teacher to follow and what lineage to choose from. There's all this choice. And I do agree with you saying that bringing back the individual, reconnecting back with the self, how does one do that? One does that by going in and doing mm. the spirit work and doing the inner work on a daily basis. By daily, I do not mean that you have to sit in 30 minutes of meditation every morning. It could be simply sitting with your tea or coffee in silence, lighting a candle and calling forward your three gratitudes. That is a deep reconnection to self. Yeah. And, you know, I'm fascinated by this idea that, um, let me see if I can articulate this as well. 
I, I, I have personally found myself doing these things sort of spontaneously. And so, for example, when I was writing my doctoral dissertation, mm-hmm. um, I, one of the things I did to help me get through that process was I created a daily ritual. And I found that I had to do that. And it was, you know, uh, taking five or 10 minutes of just focusing on my breath. And um, I I created a ancestor altar as well. And I want to talk to you about that as well. Um, And uh, I would pull a daily tarot card as well. Uh, But that was my ritual. And it helped ground me. Um, And I've noticed even that when I get off the track, and I don't sit for five minutes uh, and focus on my breath. The whole day seems to be take on this, I don't know, a tone of being much more difficult than it needs to be, I think. Um, um, and it, so it seems like there's something within people now that is, I hope, kind of awakening to these sorts of practices. Um, and uh, and again, I love the spontaneity of it all. Um, and I noticed things that in your book, uh, so for example, one of the things is you mentioned the uh, Hopi prayer, the Hopi prayer of beauty. And that's something I found myself doing. Uh, I mentioned to you, and I mentioned this a lot in the podcast that I have this weekly hike um, that I do um, into this canyon. And I found myself spontaneously kind of doing that. I would say at one point, I'm like, ah, beauty before me, beauty behind me, beauty to the right of me, beauty to the left of me. I walk the beauty path. And again, I can't articulate why (laughs) or where that came from. It's just that it's there. You know, I think you are articulating it because it's coming out of you. It's pouring out of you. You're doing it. You're not holding yourself back. That's the beautiful part of this work is, you know, we can get so tripped up in following a recipe or following the the steps Mm -hmm. and, you know, the work in, in both the, you know, in the shamanic lineages, the pagan lineages, the, the mystic lineages is that life is a spiral. Mm. And, and it's circular, even though our human mind loves to think it's linear. We love to go from A to B. We love to see the, the hard start and the final product. And what I'm proposing in the book is very process oriented. It's very individual and free mm. in that here are the suggestions. Go mm. forth, liberate yourself, walk, the, walk to the canyon and say whatever comes forward. Say your prayers. Something that I've been doing um, most recently. Well, I've written another book, in fact, Nick, in this time. So it's kind of come out 2023. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've just handed it in. So it's a real cosmic timing I'm I'm working with as um, the Ritual as Remedy book has (laughs) has arrived um, uh, in my home, which I'm so excited about. And and this next book is coming next year. So to get through this time, my ritual has been to hug trees. I have Mm -hmm. rediscovered my love of hugging trees and i have a very i have a specific tree and she's a grandma mama grandma mama tree and i i go with i go and i just wrap my arms around i just nestle my heart right in and i listen i put my ear to in and i i thank the tree i thank her for her wisdom 
I look up and I see her branches and I see her change. And, and then sometimes I'll receive a message. I'm not saying it's coming from the tree, but I receive something that's supportive to me to carry on with my work. So this is, this is the big message also that's coming through is the reason we do the rituals is so that we can do the work that most matters to us and put it out into the world. Yeah. 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 And I, I have found myself doing something very similar recently mm-hmm. um, because as I've engaged in this process of going to this Canyon every week, yes. I always, I, I do it on Friday. So I refer to it as my Friday office. And, um, you know, the first thing that happened was that that Hopi prayer, right? Uh, I walk in beauty. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed that when I was done, there's a spot that I stop at. And I always have this uh, hiking pole. It's a collapsible hiking pole. So I stop and I, you know, raise my arms to the sun and I say a little prayer. I say a prayer, you know, to great spirit and grandfather son and um, make a commitment. Um, you know, I, there's gratitude, you know, I gratitude say, you know, thank you for this life, um, for all of life. Thank you for the beauty that you expose. Mm -hmm. And may I dedicate myself to community, uh, service and pursuing the true, the good and the beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, that's so beautiful. Thank you course uh but then recently there's a tree (laughs) uh and i stop and it's become my tree and i know it's not my tree but i've developed this relationship with this tree and it the the position it's a huge tree so i can't get up and put my arms around it but i always have to stop and put my hands on and i do the same thing that you're doing is i look up at the branches and just take a few moments to breathe with it yes you know um and it's just so interesting to me how all of this sort of spontaneously comes up. And that spontaneity that I'm hearing you speak about, which I love the word so much, it gives us permission to do that and be that actually, is it reminds us also that we can be process oriented more yeah. often yeah. and we can you know, unpack and, and live inside the process. And that's a a big part of the message in the book is we set our intentions with anything we want to do in life. And then we, we see it in the, you know, the, the, the full embodiment. So let's say, you know, what I do every morning is I sit and I um, light my candle and I get into my breath and I, especially when there's big days and I'm a mother as well. And, you know, there's a lot going on as I visualize my day, I visualize it from beginning to end, how I, how I want to be moving through the day, not, not attaching to the final outcome, you know, so there's some big things that happen through the day and some deadlines to hit and some, you know, all these places to be classes to lead and teach connections. And, you know, I, I just touch upon them and it's almost as if I ensole them with a bit of light mm-hmm. or just like I'm a weaver and I'm just weaving the day with um, good intention mm-hmm. and um, letting go of, of course, uh, any attachment to how the day will actually go. And so that's something for, you know, that I hope the audience may, may be able to take away is, again, we're, we're looking at what is working and what is the potential as opposed to what is not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to get us to some other things that I wanted to speak with you about, because 
Well, number one, this is hard, this is hard work in many ways, you know, and I think often there is this attitude that it, it sounds easy, but you mentioned, you know, it's, you're putting yourself into alignment with something greater. You have to make the intention, but there's also shadow work. There is a certain amount of um, self-reflection that's involved with this and being honest with ourselves. And that's hard work. Mm -hmm. You know, that's very hard work. But one of the issues with this is, uh, and self-love, that's probably the hardest thing in the world, <laughs> you know? But one of the questions is, uh, and this is what you were, I think, just getting at, is that there is this aspect of mindset, right? And um, what we attract in the world. And I see this as being difficult as well, because we are all caught up in this sort of ecocidal economic system of oppression. And sometimes it's very difficult to feel free. Yes. And to engage in this work when there are sometimes very real restrictions. And so Absolutely. I'm curious, how do you respond to someone who has these very real restrictions? How can we live more fully and authentically um, given the realities that we live in? Big question. Yeah. And <laughs> it's the daily work. Um, yeah. And each, you know, each element and each chapter in this, in this book that I um, bring forward has the shadow aspect. And that was really important to me to, to unpack that mm. and to not be afraid of it any longer and to not hide it, in fact, and to seek help and support when one needs to, and to be, um, to kind of break down those, break away from that pride break away from, um, you know, uh, the stigma around asking for help or support. The, the work though, it's, it's like, no matter where we are in life, there will always be discomfort and there will always be struggle. And, and, and that's real. Um, and for some much more than others. And for those, um, you know, also dealing with loss and, and inequality, um, deep grief, uh, mental, you know, um, imbalances, that, that that is very real. And so at the baseline, I believe if we can work with what we have mm -hmm. and begin there, and so it doesn't become this, you know, outside thing, it becomes an inside thing. And we work with what we have and we, you know, for, okay, so for some people that are, you know, every person is if different and unique, we would begin, you know, a morning journal session, you know, that might be better than a meditation, that might be better than breath work, which may agitate things, you, you know, so we always begin with what we have, what works, what feels right, um, what feels like it could support even just a little bit. And so um, nature 
you know, we don't all have access to nature in the way that, you know, some of us are living in the city and, but there's probably a park somewhere, you know, and so, so nature as a, as a remedy in itself, um, working in that way to, that becomes like the baseline to me for everything is that, mm. you know, beyond, you know, materialism and consumerism and beyond, you know, the pain and the grief, what happens if we all lie on the earth together and start there on our healing journey? And you also have to want it. You have mm. to want this. You have, it's not for the faint of heart, this work. Right. Right. Um, you have to want it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. And I think it's necessary. I, you know, it's one of the influences for me, a deep influence is Buddhism. And, you know, the, I, and the reason being is because I think the first noble truth is unquestionable um, that there is suffering in the world, that we all suffer one way or another. Um, and we all have healing to do. And right there, you become more compassionate. Yeah. yeah. And isn't this the, the nectar of everything is, yeah. you know, towards self-love, as you were talking mm -hmm. about, very hard. And it's a practice. So no one's going to do it for you. Right. And so what happens when you commit to seven days of um, five-minute hands on the heart every morning, connecting with your own ability to love yourself, you know, connecting just, you know, that increasing that, that frequency. And that's, that's hard work, you know, yeah. for a lot of us that, um, you know, have are beginning the work mm -hmm. and it's a journey. It's, it's a life, you know, I never see there's an end to this. Work. Right, right. <laughs> it is a lifelong journey. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I recently spoke with uh, Connie Zweig, who is like the shadow work expert, right? And she had commented that not just is it hard work throughout this life, but she's like, and who knows, this may go on into future lives as well, um, that the shadow work is ongoing. Yes. Um, and, it, it, and it's not just individual. Um, I think it's collective. Um, and, you know, I mentioned this, you know, ecocidal system that we're in now. And as far as I'm concerned, that is shadow projection right there. Um, but it is also ancestral. And so I wanted to ask you about um, this ancestral work, because especially for people who think, well, there's nothing I can do. You know, my ancestors are long gone, um, but yet it affects us we all, I think, carry ancestral wounds, don't we? Yes. Yeah. And how can we start that process of healing? We can begin that process by beginning to track, in a way I call it the gold of our ancestors, hmm. the, the gifts, the gifts, the, the, the qualities that we resonated with that were um, if we did, if we do resonate, that is, with, um, you know, beginning by knowing the names 
of your, you know, your grandmothers, your great grandmothers, your grandfathers, your great grandfathers, and on and on. So a little bit of that family history, if you don't know already, to, so that you can begin to get a picture of that. And then, you know, you be, you know what the gifts and the gold is. And then uh, there's the shadow over here and there's the, the pain that perhaps they endured or perhaps that they, you know, inflicted on others. And so that is some of the work that is to be, as soon as we recognize it, as soon as we see it, as soon as we become aware of it, already we have more um, capacity to um, begin a healing journey, to understand that we perhaps have come into this lifetime to liberate those parts, in fact, and to do the work that we can on ourselves so we do not pass it down to the next generation. And so honoring the, 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 the goodness from where you came, because everyone came in some way from some sort of goodness mm-hmm. and looking at it that way and, 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 and knowing some of the, you know, being really clear with some of the, the traumas or the addictions or, you know, what runs in the lineage and already there you're, you're riding a wave that is, in awareness as opposed to not. Yeah. 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 And you wrote something um, in the book that I think speaks to all of this because we inherit so much and, you know, not just from our parents, but there are wounds that carry through because, you know, our parents were wounded and we, take on some of those when their parents were wounded and this can go back a long time but it's also cultural and so uh what i'm thinking about here is uh you wrote um this is a direct quote out of the book here um my work is to dismantle my own unconscious racism and to deeply study how i contribute to the systems of patriarchy sexism and violence within my own being It is my responsibility to share the true story with my children, to educate them about systematic racism, and to raise them to be conscious learners of past, present, and future narratives of all inhabitants on this earth. And I read that because I see that as being connected to this ancestral work. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like we can fix these systems of oppression unless we do this ancestral work. Yes. And that will take different forms for everyone. Mm -hmm. And in my own way, somehow it has, you know, I'm raising my two daughters and it's the world we live in right now. And I am so grateful. They're my teachers every day. Mm -hmm. And it's my work and my responsibility to raise them with this awareness and consciousness and what is true, what is true now. Mm-hmm. and what happened and the, the historical context and 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 where are we going now and, and what can we do and you know i think that there's many ways we can heal or begin a a process of understanding um you know what was and um sometimes there's guilt and there's shame and it's very real um 
and that can, you know, make us kind of hide and not want to go there and um, push away or not talk about things. And so that would be me contributing to, you know, some, some of the, the you know, the trauma or, um, I don't know if I would say trauma necessarily, but so, so, you know, it's like, we can do this work through um, talking about it. We can do this work through um, writing. We can do rituals where we have our ancestor altar. Like you said, we have pictures of our ancestors and then we, we may bring in some of our um, deities, some of our guides that we work, whether you're, you know, in, in the realm of Buddhism or, um, you know, I work with a lot of um, female archetypal energies for my healing process and, and to, you know, awaken um and to receive guidance also on on how to be a mother in this time and and how to work in this healing way and and we can also um do it through um meditation and visualization we can do it through um art and creativity so all these you know it, it can be so deeply symbolic we can go to the earth and we can you know, for summer solstice, I, I, you know, work, um, do a big family altar with, you know, with my, with my daughters and, and I call forward and we pray out loud for our ancestors, both on my side and on um, their dad's side. And so we call forward the grandmothers and grandfathers um, and we call forward, you know, um, you know, the conditions that they were in and, um, you know, the trauma that they had gone through and um, that we are, you know, here to carry their goodness forward. And we are here to um, use our voice now to bring equality, um, you know, to how, wherever we can so that we becoming active agents, we're becoming active channels and we're not um, holding back our voice like we talked about before. And I'll just close with the biggest gift that I have received through this work is to learn how to pray out loud mm. by myself mm. and or with others. This is deeply sacred, vulnerable work at first. You have to find a place where you're comfortable. Like you said, it was going up to the canyon you know, a lot of it, like in, in water, water can be an incredible um, agent for change um, in the shower, in the bath. Uh, yesterday, I sent a, I, I hiked a mountain and I, I called a prayer. It was Mother's Day yesterday. So yeah. I, I, I first started with the earth for Gaia, for Mother Earth, for Pachamama. And then we, I, I we, myself, I was alone. I called forward, um, you know, my mothers and uh, on grandmother, great-grandmothers, um, you know, my children, may I be, um, may I receive guidance on how to hold and support them. And that was, you know, really directed to the earth. And when we begin, it just pours out of us. Mm -hmm. And we discover something new every time. There, every time we intentionally come into a state of um, offering prayer, not holding back, there is a healing that happens. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think that you have a really good point in terms of kind of sticking with this ancestral work for a moment, that there is this tendency for people to want to shove it to the side, to skirt it and say, oh, but I'm not my ancestors. You know, I'm not responsible for them, but we are our ancestors. 
you know, that's one of the things that I do when I make offerings to my ancestor altar is in the little prayer that I have, one of the things I recognize is I am because they were. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and again, I'm speaking out of a uh, context of the United States, you know, that we have these deep ancestral issues. And I think that just acknowledging them is important. And uh, I use my own family uh, as an example, because my family has been here since the 1600s. Um, the Mathers were one of the most dominant uh, Puritan families in the colonies. And, you know, one of the primary issues that runs through American history, of course, is, you know, genocide and uh, slavery. And I know that on my mother's side, um, there were some ancestors that came and were working on the Underground Railroad. So they were helping free slaves. And I thought, oh, well, this is awesome. You know, because I thought, oh, and, you know, the, uh, the Puritans, they probably didn't have any slaves. But in researching, I, you know, I was so upset when I discovered one of them, you know, it was like, oh, and he learned this from his slave. I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, and then it gets even worse. It gets even worse. And I don't feel responsibility, but I do feel that I have to acknowledge it in order for the healing, the collective healing to begin. So I see like you said, is not just the both sides, but to find out as much as we can about our ancestors and their stories. And so that you can go deeper in your work. Yeah. In that you can also, and we can, there's so many ways we feed the system that we may yeah. not even be aware or conscious of. Yeah. yeah. And so that becomes part of our daily ritual also is what am I feeding? What system am I, am I feeding yeah. into? Is this right. conscious? Is this, you know, is this, where is this coming from? When we begin our day with intention and ritual, as you mentioned before, it's, it's as if we, we create this opening. If we, if we stop that ritual we may start to feel a little bit ungrounded or spinny or, mm -hmm. and and not quite especially when life gets tough which it will and it does yes. that you know we finding a way to ground and anchor allows us again to come back to the inner life mm -hmm. if we can all begin there the inner life and take responsibility for that yeah. that that to me begins the the collective awakening. Yeah. 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 And I really appreciate it in your book. There is this sense of the collective, you know, it's not just about the individual, um, but there is this sense of service and activism in this work. And what else is there at this time that can I, you know, hold space as my neighbor comes to the door, she's had a flood in her house and, you know, she's an elder. What can I do to help? What can I do to support? There's many things on the list. And, you know, that's where, that's where this work works is because we build a capacity 
of seeing the good. And then we want to contribute more readily. And then that ripples so far. And that takes resilience. It takes commitment. It takes, um, you know, uh, uh, an awareness that, you know, you have to see beyond your own ego. You're not in the center of the picture all the time. That's what this work does. It allows us to understand that we are not actually the center of the picture. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's very important. It's incredibly important. Uh, the other thing that I really appreciated about the book, and this is something that came to me last evening after I had finished reading everything and was kind of mulling it over is that it seems to me that what you're doing is, or maybe one of the messages is to start where you are. Uh, if that makes any kind of sense, <laughs> uh, because yes. everyone comes at a different place, right? And that's exactly where, what I intended. Mm. I wanted this to be accessible. I wanted anyone who's beginning ritual to someone who's studied it for a long time to be able to receive. Mm. Here we are. Let us begin. Mm. Come as you are. Yeah. Let's begin here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that even kind of going back to the system that we are all embedded in, not everyone can, like you had said, you know, not everyone can go out to someplace in nature every day or even once a week. Um, and so maybe for those people, what they can do is just have a house plant <laughs> and exactly. kind of connect with nature that way. And there are very real restrictions, but that, you know, it, your work did not come across in any way imaginable as like Pollyanna-ish. Um, but it was rather, you know, it's like you do what you can with what you have, and then you build up from that. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So if I understand, um, if I were to try to summarize your book, uh, in a sense, um, uh, there is uh, working with the elements, which you've already discussed. Uh, and you have rituals and visualizations and meditations for that. Uh, a, another part that we haven't talked about is the altar, uh, building an altar. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is the importance of having an altar? That's one of my favorite things. I'm so glad you asked. Well, for one, it's a grounding anchor once again. So we've talked about that a lot. And for the audience listening for myself every day, I remind, you know, that, that having one place to go to in your home that reflects the sacred, that is a, a space where you can put your tarot cards or you can have your fresh flowers, your candle, um, even pictures of your ancestors, if you wanted um, inspirational deities, uh, minerals, you know, working with the minerals a lot, uh, the stones, the crystals, or, you know, and, and none of it needs to be purchased. That's the beauty, uh, you know, th that we can gather seasonal items from outside, fallen leaves at the park, a stone that catches your eye. We always ask permission, though. We ask, we ask the nature for permission. Um, is this, can, you know, will this be supportive? Um, is this okay to take? So we have this, you know, this relationship, this is a relationship of reciprocity towards nature. It becomes reflected in your home. It builds a, 
a frequency in your home of beauty. That's why it's so important. And if you have family members around, they will also notice it, even if they don't practice those things, you're, you're in, in your workplace, really wonderful thing to introduce into the workplace, um, into any gathering, whether if you're teaching a class, you're doing, you know, a book reading, whatever, there's just, there's an element that exists, uh, where we are calling for the elements, and to reflect them earth, air, fire, water, ether, into um, a, a living alchemy. And the altar is something that can change throughout the seasons or even a week or whatnot mm-hmm. um uh it, you could have the space but then what is on the altar uh is something that can reflect where you are right absolutely and i i highly recommend that it shifts also yeah. you don't want it to collect dust or get right. you know we have to refresh it it feels yeah. so good so for the listeners you know if you are interested in um, building an altar having you know you can begin with a candle and a plant that is a two great places to begin or some you know flowers that are um, i'm looking over at my altar that's what i'm looking yeah. right now i and i and you know you can either new moon or full moon you know mm-hmm. that's one place that i would highly recommend beginning mm-hmm. um to get that in your phone, in your calendar, whatever, um, whatever resonates with you most, new or full or both. And that becomes every 29 and a half days, you have an opportunity to recreate your altar and to check in, okay, what's seasonal? Sometimes I put words, I wrote, you know, affirmations, quotes, you put that on a nice piece of paper on your altar. It, uh, what it does is because it's a creative process. It allows you to reflect back probably what's most important to you right now, because those are the things you choose to put on the altar, you know? And if those of you who have family or children, they love this. You get them to create the altar with you, or it's, it's time to make a new altar. My, my, you know, my children, right from a very, I mean, two, one and a half, two, they were collecting things outside, bring them to the altar. Our altar, we had them all over the house. They were just massive. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's fun too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I have a few altars in my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a little bit of an altar behind me on a desk. I have mm-hmm. an altar in my room. And uh, I like that one. It's a, uh, uh, my partner actually gave it to me. It's a, I don't know what they would, it's like an Asian cabinet. Mm-hmm. So I have an altar on the top and then I can open it. And that's mm-hmm. where I keep my ancestor altar. Oh, so that's so nice. Open, yeah. Open and close. Um, and, yeah. and that's important too. So when you go to sleep or whatever, say, okay, ancestors, right. we're, we're sleeping right. now. We're not doing our work at night. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, my house, you know, since I have a background in religious studies, I am surrounded by gods and goddesses. Um, and, um, uh, and, and the altars do shift and it's nice. And it's just a way to focus and concentrate on something. And I, I do appreciate very much this focusing on the phases of the moon as well. Um, I don't remember if it was in our conversation that we're recording, but I know at some point I had mentioned that I, that's something I personally started doing when I was in my twenties mm-hmm. is uh, looking at following the new moon and the full moon. And what I, I would fast. I set those as the days of fast. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does help put you into alignment uh, with the flow of nature and the flow of the cycles of time. And um, it, it, it really is fairly profound. 
I think. Especially when, you know, I, I wasn't raised in a religious home. I had a few trips to Sunday school. <laughs> that was awesome. I loved it. And other than that, when I found ritual, specifically earth-based rituals, I was, I was very lucky. I was introduced at a young age um, through a friend whose mom was into Wiccan. And so I, you know, at 16, had my first full moon fire ceremony. And from there, my life changed. My life yeah. changed. Yeah. Yeah. It was very profound. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had my first uh, experience at a, a Wiccan celebration. Uh, also, I think I was about 19 uh, and it was a uh, winter solstice. Um, and I think that started feeding into uh, paying attention to the changes of the seasons. And then it just moved on to and the moon and it did develop this sense of connection to the earth. Um, in, in very and very profound ways, very profound ways. So uh, to go back to my summary, uh, you're working with the elements, uh, building an author, uh, excuse me, an altar. There's uh, meditation and visualization practices, mm -hmm. um, journaling, uh, shadow work and affirmations, and body work. Um, and I really appreciated this. Um, uh, I know that uh, you have a background in yoga, uh, but also in the book, it was dance. And you encourage the reader to dance. Why is that important? And how can that help? How can that help us heal? Oh, so important. It's like the wild artist at play. It's, it's the, the mystic unraveling. The, and the dance I'm talking about is free flow, free flow, you know, if anyone's done, you know, the five rhythms, Gabriel Roth's work or ecstatic dance or um, putting on some music and just, you know, grooving out on your own, um, shaking it out. What happens is we move the channels in the body and what was once bound becomes unbound. And that's it. That's really important. Anytime I, you know, have a wild dance party, you know, at whatever capacity it, don't you feel liberated? Mm -hmm. um, if you can go there, that's the first step. I mean, th that's why also going to take a, a dance, a five rhythms dance to actually learn how to let go. It teaches us how to let go. When we let go, what happens? We let something else in. Mm. It's so profound. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was something else. It's part of this and would be part of my summary here. Is this letting go? Isn't letting go. Uh, and maybe you just answered this question, but the letting go seems to be so much, so important, um, especially in regards to getting ourselves in alignment. And so could you speak a little bit more about this idea of letting go? I have an example that I'm thinking of, but uh, I don't want to monopolize the conversation. So I want to uh, let you speak to it. Letting go, letting go to let in. Yeah. And you can think about the physical body when we hold tension and stress in our bodies and we hold cyclical thoughts. This is really big because our mind is everything as we know, mm -hmm. and our mind is so tricky. And most of the work actually goes down in the mind. The body 
Okay, so we release the body. That's a letting go. All of a sudden, the shoulders release. Epiphany, we feel good. The mind, the cyclical thought, the one that's going around in the record player of I'm not good enough. I can't have that. I'm not worthy. Um, I'll never. I'll never do this. Um, I don't. I can't stand myself. Self. You know all that stuff. Once we break that, let that that that's a letting go. That's one of the deepest letting goes we can actually. I feel. Um, ignite and then embody and then heal from is the break of those thoughts that's a letting go which goes it's like the all of a sudden the sunset behind us and we just start to walk back into it and receive all this powerful space this powerful space that then we get to create the life that we desire and with this letting go it seems like forgiveness would be a huge part of that. Very big. And daily forgiveness. Self-forgiveness mm-hmm. is one thing. Mm-hmm. When you feel ready forgiving others, when you get into the practice of forgiveness, what happens is it happens more quickly. And you recover from the arguments, the disappointments, the, the daily you know, challenges. You move on more quickly. You don't, you get less hung up. And it's like, okay, here we go. That happened. Let us begin again. Yeah. Breathe, move, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, <laughs> it's hard work though. <laughs> I'm going to keep going back to that. It's hard work. Um, uh, but I, but I totally understand this and this it, coming to your work was very timely for me, I think, mm-hmm. um, because it's a process. Um, like you said, everything's a process and, there are these limiting beliefs, like you've mentioned that we have to let go of, we have to let go of our resentments and our regrets um, and recognize that we are where we are. And that gets back to this idea of, you know, um, that you're like, start where you are, start where you are. Um, All right. So uh, we got the body work and the dance and uh, I love the dance part. Um, uh, and I don't need anything formal, just, you know, let it rip in the kitchen. Um, yes. Seriously dance. Like no one's watching because no yes. one is. And even if they are, who cares? That's right. <laughs> that is right. And that might take a lifetime for some of us to actually understand. I tell my children that now and they're like, eight and 11 and actually no one's actually looking at you. So don't worry. (laughs) No one's actually watching you. Right. Right. Well, that's another really important lesson, I think. And that's something that I've personally come across the past several months is no one cares. You know Um, I I mean, and I don't mean that, that no one cares anything, but for the most part, I think that we trap ourselves into thinking that, more people care about what's going on in our lives than actually do. And that's a freeing realization as well, that no one's looking. You, you hit it. <laughs> and coming, oh, so, so that's a realization. And then coming to what is true in the moment for me, mm-hmm. you want to express that prayer. May I walk in beauty, you express it. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is trusting that first impulse. What is true, trusting the first impulse no one's watching anyway. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Then we get to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that when I 
would do my, you know, arms to the sun on my hike, I would often look around like, well, is there anyone here? And now I don't care. I'm yeah. like, they can think I'm a big freak. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need more freaks. We have to be freaks. We yes, have to we be. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Let the freak flag fly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And so, um, uh, where I would end on what is in your book is, uh, it's again, it's not just individual, but it's also collective. And a lot of that is the development of compassion, forgiveness, and gratitude, mm-hmm. um, and also the service and activism. Um, is there anything that I'm missing? Well, the only thing that strikes <laughs> me that you're missing is that if you noticed, I love to write little prayer poems. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so they, um, and that I think has been burst forward from my years of teaching and, and guiding myself and others and my love of creative writing. And so what you'll find also scattered throughout the book are um, poems or prayers or you know whatever you wanna call them, but little, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're longer. And I wanted this to be um, also a permission for everyone else to, to write. Um, when, we, when we put our prayers also into words, it's very interesting what comes forward. Yeah. And it's meaningful. And that, that, that you'll always discover something more about your own process or about what lights you up or little clues, I call it, like little clues, little messengers that connect us back to our intuition which lives right in our center body Mm -hmm. and we get to maybe inhabit center more often because we're not censoring in the mind all the time we're just allowing it to come forward yeah wonderful wonderful um and uh i know that we're starting to hit the end of our time together uh but you mentioned that you've got another book um can i ask what the new book is about Yes, it is uh, regarding the feminine Mm -hmm. and tapping into the feminine archetypes Mm. to work with that idea around unbounded creativity, uh, limitless self-love, and to tap into the life you desire through those channels. And so it will be for men and women specifically like you you called about you know working with the energy of the earth and the energy of the earth holds a very deep divine feminine nature and so the the second book was started out as a book of poetry mm-hmm. <laughs> and it transformed into a whole book right. um, uh, similar to this kind of style where there's embodiment practices, similar to the ritual book where there's embodiment practices at the end, which is what I love. I love making this like, okay, and now try this if you want to and see how this works for you in your own way. And so, because I do, I do these embodiment practices because I do feel it allows us to come up into a whole picture. So it's not just the act of the ritual or the idea of it, but it's, all of those channels come and they, they come home within you and they land, they land for each of us, right? In different ways. And sometimes it's very powerful and sometimes it's more subtle. And that's what I would like to also offer to, you know, to this work is to trust it, even when it's the most subtle or you don't quite understand, or you feel, hmm, I don't know if I got anything from that. Well, I, I can guarantee one week later, something's going to come and it's going to 
be very supportive to your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is difficult to get into that position of trust. You know, yes. like I said, it is hard work. Yes. You know, it is very hard work. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that you're calling upon the divine feminine and that it's also for men as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems to me when you were speaking, what came to mind is that, you know, given the ecological crises that we're facing, you know, we definitely need that divine feminine. But I also think we need that divine masculine. And I think that the divine aspect to it is what's important because there is this, you know, we're already in a sea of patriarchy, <laughs> yes. which is very masculine energy, but I don't see that as divine masculine energy. Right. And so when we start to just pull that word divine in, right, yeah. it softens everything. Yeah. It softens the feminine in me, it softens the masculine in me. And then all of a sudden, again, I'm in that spaciousness mm -hmm. where I'm perhaps receiving something that I wouldn't have received because I was too fixated on the future mm. or too fixated on what I needed to produce. So you have mentioned that you've got this, uh, uh, the, the book is coming out uh, at the beginning of June now, is that correct? That's right. That's right. So okay. that's what, that's the date is uh, June 7th is it will be in everyone's mailbox and I'm going to make sure you get a copy, a hard copy. We'll get you a hard oh, copy. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I have the PDF. Um, yes. Uh, 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 but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really good book and I can see myself going back to it. Um, mm. Uh, and uh, I, I have a few friends that I know that I'm recommending it to. Thank you. Um, and uh, it's going to be available everywhere, um, I think. Yes, and yes. Uh, I will uh, post links to uh, the publisher. And I also post links from uh, bookshop.org. Oh, wonderful. Um, uh, so I'll do that. Uh, but what, and you've got another book coming out next year. Yes. Um, what else? <laughs> What else well, do you have coming up? I have all sorts of uh, offerings online. Um, I'll be doing a big series for summer solstice uh, with Wanderlust. Wanderlust is a, a yoga festival and channel virtual. Um, so this is book launch month for me. So check my website. Everything's going to be listed there. A lot of events for solstice. Um, every month I do a full moon and new moon spirit session and it's virtual. Mm -hmm. So anyone can join. It's by donation. And often I link it back to um, movements, you know, the Women's Center here in, in Vancouver, um, different Indigenous groups. Um, so there's always a percentage and an offering a flow of money and that moves into other areas from, from the work which I think is important. And that, you know, I continue to write and um, I do have retreats that I'm doing now in person again, which is wonderful uh, places where people can come and we, we sit on retreat for five to seven days together and do the work. Wonderful. And your website is marabranscombe.com. That That's correct? right. Yes. Uh, is, is there any other places where people can um, connect with you, like on social media or? Yes. Instagram is mostly what I'm doing. And it's just my name, Mara Branscombe. And I use that as a content that I use it as a content, um, you know, 
kind of studio. So I, I like to just try and post useful things for people. <laughs> Wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, Mara, thank you so much uh, for speaking with me today. And thank you for the healing work that you're doing. It is very much needed. Thank you. you know? Nick. And, and, uh, and also thank you for your passion. Uh, like I said, that really poured through in the book. Um, mm. Mm. Uh, so I think it will be very inspirational for a good number of people. Thank you so much for having me here today. Okay. Well, thank you. And that's a wrap on episode 41 of Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you're a part of my YouTube audience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. It only takes a second and your five-star ratings really do help. If you have a minute to spare, consider posting a short but positive review. Also, please consider subscribing. For those viewing on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit that notification bell so you will be informed when I upload new content. I've been trying my best to release new episodes every week and I would like to continue doing so. I am also working on creating additional video content for the YouTube channel, uh, including some more book reviews, educational videos and topics concerning uh, spirituality, the history of religion, and the religious response to the climate crisis. I'm also planning on covering a conference or two in the very near future. But all this extra content takes a lot of time and work. Uh, if you would like to support me in creating free and credible material on YouTube and continuing with this podcast, please consider making a one-time donation via PayPal. You can find a link for that in the video description or show notes. Your support makes my work in this podcast possible. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit.